and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Dr. Barbara Sturm Molecular Cosmetics, Dr. Barbara Sturm. Barbara Sturm knew from the age of four that she would grow up to be a doctor. She'd watched her grandmother, a pharmacist, and her mother, a lab doctor, at work and entered into the field of orthopaedics through what she describes as a love of helping people. Dr. Sturm explains, however, that she'd always had an interest in beauty and in beautiful things, so a move into aesthetics felt natural. It was then that she took her work in orthopaedics, specifically a treatment she had helped pioneer in which the blood from a patient is re-injected into the joints to remove inflammation, and translated that science into the field of aesthetics. And so what we now know as the vampire facial was born. Dr. Barbara Sturm's signature clinical treatments and prescription plasma-based creams developed what can only be described as a cult following. So to ensure that her work would reach a global audience rather than exclusively those who could visit her clinic, she began to work on her own consumer brand. Dr. Barbara Sturm's line of molecular cosmetics was launched in 2014, taking the in-clinic experience and turning it into one of the most innovative and celebrity-loved brands of today. In this conversation, Barbara shares how the now infamous vampire facial actually works, why she so strongly believes that inflammation is the root cause of almost every skin ailment, and how Kobe Bryant played a role in establishing Dr. Sturm's now signature clinical treatment. born in East Germany. So let's begin there, right at the very beginning. What is your very, very earliest memory of beauty? Uh In Germany, I think my earliest memory would be my grandmother, seeing my grandmother in a pharmacy. My grandmother was a pharmacist and she was so dedicated to her work. And I would see her standing there mixing creams, seeing, you know, seeing her putting ingredients together and just take all handmade at the time, you know, and this is the one thing, the other thing, which I transported, I think, into my, my whole um, skincare range and my work was um, going into the forest, into nature, learning about ingredient science and plants and trees and fruit and like everything, you know, from my childhood, which I'm still feeding off. And actually I have like a genius idea coming from all of this actually right now, which I cannot Ooh. tell anyone. I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> what a tease. That's so interesting that that's what your grandmother did because I knew that your mother was a lab doctor. So I guess this kind of science background has run in the family. Yeah. And for some reason, I mean, I decided to become a doctor when I was four years old because mm. it was, you know, you are infused from from your parents and you know my brother became an architect like my dad and I followed my mom's roots in a way but then I think you know later on you know it all goes you know the way it goes you float around and it's very interesting that I came back to 
nature and to my roots in a way, what my mom and my grandma did. I had read that you had decided at the age of four that you wanted to be a doctor, which is incredible that you stuck to that. Do you remember specifically what it was that, you know, when you looked at that environment that made you say, this is what I want to do, this is what I'll be when I grow up? My mom used to take me to um, the hospital and she took me to visit patients Mm -hmm. and I just loved it. And I said, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, become a pediatrician. Aha. And then you ended up working in orthopedics. What was it that led you there? Um, So I studied medicine. I also studied sports. And when I was 23 years old, I had um, Charlie, my oldest daughter. And with her being a baby, I went to work in the children's hospital and the university clinic. And, you know, in university, you see the hardest cases. You don't, you know, do the vaccinations. You don't do like the little sore throat. You really do the hardcore cases. Mm -hmm. And I was that i mean it broke my heart to see those kids suffering and i couldn't i just couldn't i i i said you know everything any kid would have i would think oh if charlie would have that and it's like it broke my heart so much that i said okay i'm not doing it and i changed to orthopedics because that to me was a total happy experience because you help people you make them be well you put them back into sports, into their daily life. They were grateful and sweet and you make them happy, you know, and that was what I wanted to do in medicine. I really wanted to change things to a better life for for my patients. Did you have any early interest in aesthetics at that time? I've read that you got into injectables in around 2001 when a medical colleague took you along to learn how to inject lips. But was it at that moment that you realized you wanted to move into aesthetics or did it take a little bit longer for you to come to that realization? Uh It's funny that you know all that. You you (laughs) read your, you did your homework. I'm crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a total artsy person. So, you know, from growing up, I think my eyes were my strongest senses always. You know, I like beauty. I liked beautiful flowers, nature. I mean, everything to do with beauty. So it was natural to me to also be interested in aesthetics. And when I was looking into aesthetics, it was a totally new field. At least in Germany, nobody was really into it. And that's why I also didn't know about it when my friend told me, oh, I'm going to learn how to inject lips. Uh, Okay, that's kind of strange and weird, but yeah, I want to learn that too. So so we went together and I, I became totally intrigued with it and um, learned from the best. I really traveled around the world to learn more and and yeah, but I'm also I'm painting, I'm sculpturing, I, I love art. So doing injectables in a way is like art, like sculpturing rather than, yeah, you need a medical background, but it's still, you need to have an aesthetic eye for what you're doing with someone's face. Otherwise it can look funny or weird, you know? It's it's interesting that you say that because it seems that with all of your different interests and all of your different skills, all of them have overlapped even from childhood to create the brand. Every single element has come from something in your past. Yeah, and that's the, the fun thing about it. You know, you do what you love, you do what you know growing up and you, you know, develop a passion for it. And, you know, what I do is like basically taking care of patients, you know, 
you know, being at service, I was always very good in, you know, making it happen for other people. And, you know, even when I was young, I was helping others. I was very much into like, you know, um, problem solving for everyone. And that is medicine in a way, medicine mm. being at service to your patient. So that's what I'm doing. Then art, definitely, you know, creating, you know, young faces is art. And then ingredient science coming from nature, um, definitely. And then the idea of creating something new, seeing my grandmother mixing cream. So I'm not just, I'm really into the creation process myself. I'm not just asking someone in a lab. I'm, you know, literally creating these products. It's hands-on. Another one of those overlaps was between your work in orthopedics and of course your work in aesthetics. It became something of a signature for you. It's a major part of your brand's story, the Kobe treatment. Can you talk me through it? So this is when I worked in the orthopedics, which I loved. I I went um, together with a um, bunch of orthopedic scientists and from Pittsburgh and Harvard and some orthopedics doctors in in Germany. And I helped pioneering this treatment where you basically take the blood from a patient, you process it in a certain way, you spin it, you you re-inject it into the joints, the plasma with all these anti-inflammatory proteins and growth factors and basically take down inflammation. When you take down inflammation out of a joint, you can get rid of the, 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 yeah, the inflammation process. You can get rid of the water in the joint. You can get rid of the pain. You can get rid of the aging process in the joint. So you basically use the body own healing proteins, you know, and that is so genius to me. And I learned so much about inflammation. That's why to me, I was always the anti-inflammatory doctor also later on in my aesthetic movement. I created the vampire facial which basically is an anti-inflammatory treatment to your skin. I created an anti-inflammatory skincare line. I created the approach of an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. This anti-inflammatory approach is so big throughout my brand coming from the orthopedics where we helped a lot of sports people, aging people, people after injuries, you know, where there's no other, there was no other choice for them. You know, you could whether go for an artificial joint or you can try with cortisone, but there was nothing really else in the pharma industry which would help people with joint problems. You touched on the vampire facial, which is, of course, you translating that science that you've just touched on in orthopedics and translating that into the field of aesthetics. I'm sure most listeners have heard of the vampire facial, but in as much or as little detail as you like, can you talk me through what that treatment is, what it was doing for the skin and why it was so revolutionary. So coming from the orthopedics um, and working with scientists, I found out that the cartilage cells and the skin cells are the same tissue family. And we decided to, because, you know, when you start something and I'm, I'm, I don't like mainstream, you know, I don't like to do what other people are doing. I want to come up with my own stuff. And that's why all my products are also different. But, you know, that treatment, I thought, you know, when I started only injecting hyaluronic acid, waiting until it's gone and then re-injecting it, I thought it was just like, you know, waste. Why don't we infuse the hyaluronic acid with the with the blood, with the anti-inflammatory treatments, with the growth factor and basically make the results so much better, you know, when you inject the hyaluronic 
acid together with the blood. So, <clears throat> so I was doing that in 2002, 2003 and um, started, you know, injecting this combination. Basically, you come in the clinic, you get your blood drawn, um, we incubated the blood for six hours, then we spin it and then we, you know, take the red blood cells away. So you only have the yellow plasma with all those anti-inflammatory proteins and growth factors. And then we mix it with the hyaluronic acid or you inject it as it is in the surface of the skin to take that inflammation to create more heating with the growth factors and reintroducing your own growth factors to the skin again, which growth factors gets lost when, when you're aging. So it's basically rearranging the matrix of the skin when you think of you know when you're young your skin cells they are like soldiers you know very mm. <clears throat> very well figurated sorted in order and when you age they are all over the place you know they run around that's why you get like indentations wrinkles etc and you want to bring them back into order so that's what this you know very superficial treatment actually does you know the blood facial in form of mesotherapy so it was from there and because, I guess, of the, the following that that treatment received, given that it was the first of its kind, I cannot stress that enough for people, you literally created this. From there, you developed the MC1 plasma-based cream that would have been around mm -hmm. 2002 as well. What was that cream and how did that work? A little later, probably this cream, because I mm -hmm. this cream, to me, healed my skin, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I was you know, looking for a moisturizer at the time when I was, you know, beginning 30 or, you know, maybe 30 years old. And I had to go every three weeks, I had to go see facialists because I had dry skin, I had blackheads, I needed to be cleaned out. And she would give me products after products, try this, La Mer, La Prairie, La Lomo, whatever this shit was, you know. And I would just like, oh, okay, I do it. I spent a fortune on all these products. And I was like, you know, I'm broke, but you know, my skin is still not good. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe how all these like crazy brands, super expensive, couldn't give me any satisfaction for my cream, no hydration, no nothing, you know? And I was so stunned by the industry. And then I said to my, my colleagues, said, you know, we need to do our own cream. So I went to my pharmacist and I said, let's mix a cream. So we mixed the cream. I asked my grandmother, she was alive at that point. I said, <laughs> she, her name was Cosmody. Cosmody, tell me what, what I need to put in the cream. Tell me. So she told me all the ingredients. And then I added my blood. And literally, my skin was fixed. I was from one day to the other day. It was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. I never had to go and see a facialist anymore. My skin was really amazing. And, and this is how I started. And then my patients, they, they asked me for the blood cream. But yeah, you know, and all my patients started using it. Yeah, understandably so. There's something you just said in there, I was broke and my skin was still bad. The number of people that must relate to that, <laughs> just buying every single thing and going, why is this not working for me? You see, and I didn't follow, I, you know, it's even worse now because, I mean, it was, it was bad then, you know, but look, all these marketing slogans, you know, at the time, I mean, you would go through to Heathrow Airport and you would look at the marketing slogan, huge, you know, like, oh, inspired by DNA. And I was like, 
what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, no meaning, just like, you know, playing with words. And then you read something and you think, oh, geez, I have to have that product, you know, because you jump on, oh, anti-aging is anti-aging, or it's this, or firming, or lifting, or whatever. And you jump on these words and you believe them. And if you think about the beauty industry, it's a big joke, actually, you know, it's like all, it's just marketing. What's in the jar is not really good. You know, if it's cheap, it's just petroleum, mineral oil-based crap. You know, if there's an ingredient in it, it's just maybe 0.0. something percent, you know, it cannot be any good. So, and the expensive products, they're meanwhile owned by like giant, giant companies who also put only crap in microplastic. I mean, there's so much, I mean, there's so many bad ingredients in all these products. So it's just crazy. And you know, the marketing today, you watch an influencer, they use this product today, the other product tomorrow, and then another product because they get paid. And and it's still got the seal on the bottle. They've not opened yeah. it. Yeah. So, and it's just like, okay, let's buy this, let's buy that. And you know, my skin is all messed up and flamed and red and sensitive. And this is all self-inflicted damages, you know, done by the, the beauty industry. So that, cream the cream that healed your skin the cream that your clients started asking for it is only available to your patients in clinic so at what point did you begin to start thinking about creating your own brand so that people everywhere could experience your formulas so that really came because you know we got so many people coming for treatments from around the world and then i I want to take a cream to to my friend and i was like yeah, well, it's your blood, so you can't do it. Um, and it was like also that they asked me for other products. They asked me which cleanser should I use, which mm. I don't know, scrub or. And I said, oh, geez, I cannot recommend any of these shitty brands because I was like, I was thinking, I, I still remember, I was thinking, do I send them to the store across the street to buy some shitty brand or what am I doing? And I said to them, you know what, I cannot recommend anything. Honestly, I, I mean, I tried everything. It's not good. So I said, okay, I probably better do it myself. And only for my patients, you know, I didn't mean to enter the entire, you know, market worldwide. I did, that was not the plan. I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to do something good for my patients. So I never was, you know, planning ahead so much. I also, I only wanted to help my patients and if they ask me something, I deliver. You know, it's the same mm. idea. Well, I'm glad that it extended beyond your patience. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the Southern Hemisphere, we are very grateful. <laughs> so you launched your namesake Molecular Cosmetics brand in 2014. So this is about 12 years after you'd opened your own clinic. Can you talk me through the physical steps that you worked through to launch the brand? How did you go about translating your clinical treatments into products that people could take home with them? You know, I think it was a process, like it was like a transmission. It's not 2014, you know, is when I, you know, maybe pursued it a little more, but I, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I had some products before for my patients, but it was like really only in my clinic more or less. Um, but you know, I had these products and, you know, I wasn't born as a businesswoman. I was born as a doctor. 
And so, as you know, or not know, when you create products and you make them in an industrial way, you not only buy 500 pieces, you buy a lot of mm. each product. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I have so many products, my storage. I mean, I didn't really have storage. It was like, okay, so I have X amount number of patients and I have so many products. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I just actually, because my patients are all around the world, I have to just go and net up for a day because then they can just purchase. I have no people, no capacity to pack products and ship them around the world. So I... Uh, I was thinking, how can I get on Net-a-Porte? That's pretty, pretty big, you know? Mm. So I, I was like trying to get myself an appointment, which wasn't the easiest thing either. I can't and imagine it would have been super simple. <laughs> it wasn't so simple. I mean, it was like quite a doing. And then I got an appointment in New York at the time with David Olson. Mm-hmm. So I went to... That was actually in 2013, I guess. I was pregnant with Pepper. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe 2014. I was pregnant with Pepper and I went to have a meeting with David Olsen. <laughs> and I was basically telling him all about what I'm doing. And he was like, it was so cool. He said, okay, let's launch your print. I'm like, what? Yeah, let's launch it. I was like, yeah. okay, okay, cool. I think that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced probably in my entire life. I mean, that was so cool getting on Netapote at the time. This was 2014. I mean, that is, that was so major for a small person coming from Dusseldorf, you know, having mm-hmm. like a clinic brand. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had like some celebrities using my stuff already. Jada Pinkett Smith was talking about it already. Um, you know, there were some people, you know, raving about the products, but still, you know, it was big. Huge. It's the biggest yeah. luxury retailer on the planet. But at that time, they just launched Beauty. And people were te- talking to me like, oh, my God, you cannot launch a product, a beauty product on an online retailer. That doesn't work. I said, yeah. yeah, I don't care. You know, my people, my people know the products already. You know, they don't need to try it. They know. Yeah, that's the thing with skincare as well. It's not like color cosmetics where you might want to try it on and play with it. If skincare works, it works. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's like it was still strange, you know, because people weren't used to buy, you know, beauty online. But then that totally changed. So I was pretty much ahead of the time then, you know, because I was like, yes. no, I, I just want to launch a Net-a-Porter. And then I was on Net-a-Porter. And like every retailer called me up, you know, Harrods, they were all like, can we sell your products? <laughs> it's kind of funny. The influence of Net-a-Porter. Which products did you launch with? Um, oh, I think the cleanser, mm-hmm. the scrub, the hyaluronic serum, a face cream, a face cream rich. Um, what else did we have? the time immense cream i think these were the first ones yeah i think these were the first ones i'm not sure if there were more i have to check maybe we launched with more i feel like maybe. that makes sense for a for a launch yeah i think it's but maybe an eye cream we had an eye cream maybe 
the face cream in particular is really interesting to me because, of course, you know, you were famous for this this cream that you were creating for your clients in clinic, but, of course, you can't put blood into a face cream that is then going to sit on a shelf or be shipped out from a warehouse. So how did you go about translating that science and trying to like give people at home similar results yeah that was the trick to really recreate a face cream i love so much you know the pharmacy made one and i said we need to make it in a chart like you know in quantities i want everybody to have like such a cream and that took me two and a half years already to make my first face cream because that wasn't easy you know but it needs to be just so right because a cream needs to hydrate in the first place. You know, if you put a rich cream on your skin, just oily, it sits on top, you know, especially in Australia, you guys can't, you know, you sweat, you, you need a refreshing hydrating product. You don't need like a crazy, thick, sweaty, sweaty face cream, you know? Beyond the face cream, your products have garnered what can honestly only be described as a cult following. Now, this is quite a broad question, but I would love your take on it. What do you think that it is about your approach to the skin that has led to you having a following of this size? I cannot tell you every of my secrets. (laughs) I can try. But you know what? I think the secret is I care so much. I care not just about my patients, which I care a lot about, but, you know, I care about making something which really has an impact. I just don't want to do something to make money. This was never my interest. My interest was like to give something to everyone that really transforms the skin and makes a difference and makes people happy. Look how I was chasing a, a cure for my skin and I couldn't find it. And it's the worst, you know, now you, you start my routine and you're like transformed. And it's, it's just the way I formulate the products, the way I pick ingredient science, the way I um, watch out for the concentration, for the efficacy, for the, for, for, for the safety, for everything regarding these products, you know, and the way, you know, we put a routine together. It's just, it's just how it works. And me personally, I, I'm, I'm standing behind it. I'm, I'm standing there for every woman, every man, every kid, every adult, everybody, you know, I'm standing there and just making sure it's the best thing we can, we can apply to our skin without harming the skin, without harming the, the skin's natural functions, without harming, um, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, the organ skin as, as a medical organ, as an organ, like we have to respect our kidneys, our heart, our everything, you know, I think the, the wrong approach in skincare is really to aggressively target our Mm. skin to hurt it. That's the, that's the anti-aging approach in the market. And I think we revolutionize this anti-inflammatory approach and bringing something totally different to to actually get all this bullshit off the market, you know? I would actually love to talk to you about um, that philosophy. Everything you do really does center around inflammation. You've mentioned it just now and you touched on it earlier. 
I could not agree with that more. I've talked about that a lot on here and on Instagram. It's it's kind of ingrained in us if there's a breakout or something we want to treat. It's like just pile all of these really, really harsh acids and strip the skin. The second that I changed the way I was approaching skincare and started giving back to the skin rather than taking from it, everything changed. So I would love for you to talk more about inflammation. Can you explain that philosophy and how inflammation is more or less the root cause of most skin ailments? I'd like to explain it always you know, it's logical. So if if a kid falls and hurts and just the knee is bleeding, the elbows are bleeding, do you put it in time out or do you hug it? Right, you're not going to. It's so, the same as rubbing salt. <laughs> so so when, you, when your skin is hurt, when your skin is, when you have breakouts, when you have rosacea, when you have, you know, whatever, periodermatitis, if you have eczema, if you have any of... Do you scrub your face off? Do you put acid peels on it? Do you put retin-A on it? Or should we say, okay, let's heal you. Let's give you everything you need to get an absolute functioning biotope back, absolute functioning skin barrier functions, absolute perfect microbiome. Why don't we give this back and heal your skin and heal the breakouts rather than aggressively targeting it and damaging your skin to the grounds to let in more problems, you know, because if you damage your skin, you make it so vulnerable, especially in Australia, you're facing mm. hot for sun. If you make your skin vulnerable, you're sorry, F-U-C-K-E-D, you know? We you're can swear really on here. Yeah. They know every episode I talk about the sun. Yeah, but you're especially, you know, it's like if you make your skin raw and it's basically making it raw so mm. in australia i would recommend no acid peels no retinol no retin-a no glycolic no hydroquinone stay away from it no laser stay away take ingredient science there's such better ways to address pigmentation to address aging to address you know breakouts it's such better ways and we have it all formulated in a beautiful line called stern well, let's talk more about that line because I mentioned how you have this cult following. It would be remiss of me to not touch on a few of those products. The glow drops are the first that spring to mind for me. Ah, there they are. Can you explain the magic of the glow drops for those who haven't tried them yet? So the glow drops to me, I put them on before every Zoom call, before, oh, I have it always with me. I'm putting it on right now. That's why I'm like, loving it so much you see i'm so obsessed with my own products it's kind of funny <laughs> so the glow drops they feel like cashmere and silk i mean who has tried glow drops they know what i'm talking about it's just like this refresher super hydrator but at the same time bringing this silkiness on your skin and this amazing glow um i just created them because you know we created something called the Sturm Glow. And now I know every brand is talking about the glow. It's just so annoying, but um, I have to deal with it. <laughs> and I'm already getting bored with the glow, but you know, that's actually what the Sturm routine does to you. It gives you mm. this healthy glow. Not to, not to mistake with the Vaxi acid, yeah. you know, shininess. That's not a glow. The glow is really coming from health, from mm. healthy skin. And the glow drops were... My fastest product I ever developed, actually, I had the idea in January 
and um, I was at a convention, actually at a spa award convention, and we were like a group of girls talking about um, talking about girl stuff, and I wanted to call them first something different, and then I thought actually glow, getting like this fresh super glow drops, I think would be cool. So. I did a sample. The first sample was already amazing. Mm -hmm. And we made a second sample. I mean, which was mind blowing. This is this one. And from January, the idea in January, it was in the shelves in September. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, that was the fastest thing. Yeah, it was the fastest thing I ever did. And I mean, I love the glow drops. I'm obsessed with the glow drops. I got a text message from one of my girlfriends just the other week who's a new mum and she tried them for the first time. She said it's like I've had nine hours sleep, which for a new mum yeah. is not yeah. an option. It's You've changed her life. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. I love this product so much. Another long-term favourite of mine is your face mask. Again, mine for those too. who haven't – oh, it's incredible. For those who haven't tried it – what is it about this mask that makes it so different to other masks? So the way it got created, it's actually a funny story. Um, you know, share with friends with share and we would make fresh masks with aloe vera and Kylie and clay and put it in the fridge and then use it. And I thought that would be a great mask for my patients to put in the jar, you know, and I, I would make those fresh masks in the clinic you know, mm. with the fascias, but I couldn't, I couldn't kind of figure it out how to put it in a jar. And we made, oh, we made so many samples and it never, I, and I thought, and it was never like the one we, we, we made fresh. And I was pretty frustrated. And one time I, I remember I was sitting in the kitchen and I got a package with samples and I put the sample on the one sample and we're just talking, talking, talking. And all of a sudden, I I pulled the sample off my skin. I just gomashed it off. And when I was done, I had the softest, most beautiful skin underneath. And I was freaking out. And I was like, okay, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. I called, I called the office. And I'm like, okay, that's the one. Let's be found it. We found it. And this is how this, I mean, it was, it was supposed to be something different. It wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to be like that. But then by coincidence, it just became that mask. And I'm also so obsessed. It's like Caroline clay, aloe vera, uh, per se, most beautiful ingredients. It's so soothing. It's great after sun. You can use it every day. You can sleep in it. You can do all these like cool things with it, you know? That's an, this is another one of those products that I've pushed on everyone. My mother has rosacea and she'll often use it as an overnight treatment. And it's magic. It's magic. You, it's she should also use the, the calming serum. Oh, okay, good. I'll push that on yeah. to her next. The calming serum is amazing for rosacea. It takes the redness out. I would love to talk, I mean, you've talked about the product development process and how sometimes things end up being completely different to how you started. But something that I find really interesting about your brand is that while the products themselves are created through these really complex science, it's you've created these products that allow us to have 
quite simple routines. You've done the hard work for us, so we don't really have to think about it. So how do you decide which products should and shouldn't be added to the line? How do you decide what's missing? I just think there's a real art to restraint when it comes to product development. And I feel like that's what sets your brand apart. You see, I'm, I said before, I don't like mainstream. I, I don't mm. look what other people are doing. I just do what I think we need, um, you know, for my patients. You know, I want to address everyone with skin. So whether they have darker skin tones, whether they're, you know, young, old, whether they're Caucasian, whether they um, have acne or pigmentation issues or um, rosacea, or whatever they have, I want to give them a solution. So we really look into what our patients need, our customers need. And then we just like to also play around. We do fun things like the good sea, you know, the good sea. We, it's just fun with the sun drops, you know, the sun drops we came up with because I didn't like to have sunscreen sitting in, in your face cream. I wanted to drop it in before I use it. So like, you know, fun application moments and different, you know? So I think I always open up different spaces. Now we, we dropped the Wii line, you know, uh, yes. our, our Wii collection, which is amazing, super addictive. It's just different. I don't know. We are like a cool team. I have crazy ideas. They don't think my ideas are too crazy. And then we'll just do it. <laughs> Pre-pandemic, you were working with clients in Germany, in London, across a number of locations in the United States. And on top of that, of course, your products are available in something like 52 countries. What are some of the biggest differences that you have seen in the ways that people approach beauty and more specifically skincare between different countries? Oh, yeah, of course. Um of course, the, the the ideas are different. You just have to think of Germany and America. So Germany is very, you know, they're very slow adjusters. So they're not jumping off on every trend, which is good. They're very cautious with their skin. They're not like, they're very cautious with using acid peels and retin-A, for example. They're not like, they, they, they just watch and see and they're a little bit scared of things. That also means they're not open to many new things, so they take a little while. Um, but, you know, it's good and bad. The good news is they're not using all those aggressive treatments. The bad thing is, you know, if you introduce something new, they're like, they, they just don't know if they need it yet. Whereas in the States, they do everything. You know, they're excited about new stuff. And then they're also trying out too many crazy things, you know. I think that's different philosophy, and it's, different in every country the french are different the french are supernatural you know they're like they don't like to use so much makeup um russians are different i mean it's like middle eastern you know they're they used to not care about skincare and not, and only about makeup now they actually switch to you know thinking more about their skin now i think hmm. there's like always you know things moving around. It's evolving. You have been a part of the beauty industry for some decades now and you've sat at the helm of your brand since, you know, earlier than 2014. 
over the last few years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry? I mean, it's becoming a very crowded market. I think lots of people think, oh, it's such a, you know, lucrative market. Let's be in it. So I think there are so many brands popping up with no, I mean, I don't know. It's just marketing and, you know, everybody's doing the same ingredients in a different concentration. So it's kind of like a waste of all this packaging. I always think about this packaging, which is floating around, you know, why do we need so many brands in skincare? I don't know. And celebrity brands. And I, I, I don't understand. I think skin needs to be seen as an organ and therefore it needs to be seen medically you know it's skincare application should be seen as a medical application and i don't know if it makes sense to to have so many brands you know but that's just me saying that you know that but that's a big change i think in the industry that there's a lot of lot of attention to that market right now but from a science perspective, I think people becoming so educated, so amazing. You know, we're going away from the marketing and people don't let themselves being tricked into, you know, buying off marketing slogans. They're actually sometimes starting checking on ingredients. What is it, you know, and what's in there? What shouldn't be in there? Is it safe? Is it, is it, is it good? Does it work? Why does it work? So Google has everything for us to read and we can become our own experts. So I think the customer becomes very savvy and very educated, which I think is such a good thing. So yeah, I think the era of marketing is gone a little bit and you know, people really need a trusted person. You know, if you trust someone, you trust what they're doing, what their work is. You know, it's like people who are listening to your podcast, they know you do your research, you know, you're asking good questions you're 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 not getting paid not actually not by me i don't know if you're getting paid but um but i'm thinking that you're like doing this for actually bringing something to your listener and some Mm -hmm. real information not some curated bullshit content you know spot on that's my ego boost for today Further to that, what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next few years? Oh, I have some good things in the pipeline. I would change a little more in the beauty industry, but I cannot tell you this. But um, be assured we're marching towards more solutions and more efficient solutions with less crap in it then, you know, I think, I think that's what's needed, you know, because there's a lot of solutions also coming from, maybe I shouldn't talk that much about it. You just watch and see. <laughs> well, my final question <laughs> was going tip. to be, <laughs> my final question was going to be what's next for Dr. Barbara Sturm, but I imagine there's not too much more you can tell me without spoiling it. You see, I'm just floating through life and I like to live in the moment. 
I don't live in the past. I don't pat myself on the shoulder. I'm not, I'm never ever like, you know, taking myself seriously. So I go step by step forward and every day I'm thinking about what, what can I do? What, what's amazing and helpful to everyone. So there's a lot of things coming because my mind never stops. My brain never stops. I'm working with super cool scientists around the world. We have some cool things working on and yeah, I'm like a truffle pig, you know, I, 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 I find the good stuff. <laughs> that was Dr. Barbara Sturm, founder of Dr. Barbara Sturm, which you can find on Instagram at Dr. Barbara Sturm. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.